This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League action and reaction. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome to Thursday's Football Social Daily. And what do Thursdays mean this season? The UEFA Europa Conference League, of course. Tottenham Hotspur in action tonight against Portuguese side Passos de Ferreira, a game they must win to even qualify for the new European tournament this season. But any advancement to the Conference League will have to be without Harry Kane. The Spurs striker didn't travel with Nuno Santos' squad to the continent, but is that any real surprise? We'll pick up the latest on the Kane conundrum on today's show, as well as looking at some of the latest transfer activity in the top flight. Harvey Barnes has committed his future to Leicester City. Aaron Ramsdale could return to the Premier League with Arsenal after two consecutive relegations. And Robert Lewandowski, one of the best goalscorers on the planet, allegedly wants a new challenge. All that to come here on your daily Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily from Sports Social. A new episode for you every day of the 2021-22 top flight season. I'm Niall and with me today is Jim Salveson. How are you doing, Jim? I'm good, Niall. Happy days. And as prolific as a late 90s Alan Shearer back for a fourth pod this week <laughs> is Marley Anderson. How wow. are you, Marley? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm getting like burnout from all these podcasts. It's all rolling into one right now. I don't know what, what I'm going to say. You're breaking appearance records. I am. I'm like, I'm just that guy you just can't get rid of. <laughs> You're like Phil Jones at Manchester United. You just, can't, <laughs> just can't get him out of there. Refusing to give up his shirt to the newcomers <laughs> that want it. Want it. <laughs> <laughs> Refusing to give up to his spot to the newcomers we may well have some newcomers this season on football social daily i'm sure we'll get to that a little bit further down the line but for now the focus is tottenham hotspur and their europa conference league qualifier tonight against portuguese outfit passos de ferreira before we talk about the situation regarding tottenham because of course harry kane hasn't traveled to europe for that game what do you think this is going to be like this tournament this season, Jim? The new Europa Conference League. Obviously, your team West Ham are in the Europa League, but this new Conference League has come in as the third tier of European football underneath the Europa and, of course, underneath the Champions League as well. 
What's your takeaway? Obviously, we don't know anything about it yet because we're still going through the qualifiers, but do you think it'll be a success just from first glances? Nope. I think it's embarrassing. I think it's embarrassing for a team with the aspirations that Spurs have, the infrastructure that Spurs have, the players Spurs have, the money Spurs have, to be playing in a competition that is, as you say, the third tier of European football. They want to be in the Champions League. If they're not in the Champions League, they want to be in the Europa League. And if you don't want to be in the Europa League, I'm not sure anyone's that bothered about what happens, if I'm honest. I think, I mean, titling something conference isn't great for a start, is it? Particularly, and I know other countries don't have the same language of football and the same kind of league structure that we have but calling it conference <laughs> automatically diminishes the competition makes you think of Altrincham versus Braintree yeah, yeah, on a Monday exactly. night <laughs> I mean a little away trip to Aldershot or something like that it just feels a little <laughs> bit meaningless and I think what we'll see with this competition as we kind of see with the Europa League to a certain extent that no one re- no one is going to care about the early stages. I mean, Tottenham almost have a free shot tonight. They've got an opportunity to play kids and potentially get knocked out. And if they get knocked out, no one's really bothered because you don't really engage with this level of competition until you get to the semi-finals and the finals. Europa League maybe slightly before, but ultimately this is the Intertoto Cup and no one really cares about that. This is getting the least yellow cards in a season and qualifying for the Europa via the Fair Play League. No one really cares. So it'll be interesting to see how Spurs do tackle it because it is going to give them a heavier fixture schedule than other teams potentially. There's a long journey to go in this qualifi- this competition. As you said, they've not even qualified for the Europa Conference League yet. They've got to win this to do that. So it's very difficult to see... Spurs taking it seriously and I think it's going to be a real challenge for those Spurs players to get themselves up for playing against these minnows of European football as well. Marley Anderson has just snapped a pencil in frustration that you said uh, the Intertoto Cup is a a nothing competition considering it's one of Newcastle's (laughs) crowning glories and graces their trophy cabinet with prestige at St James's Park. Have you seen it? Have you seen the trophy that we won for it? It's, no, it's but I remember the photo of Scott Parker holding it. Yeah, so that's it. The, 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 it's just a piece of paper in a frame. It's incredible. It's like <laughs> it's, if you it's wanna... a certificate. <laughs> yeah, it is. I swear to God, that's all it is. <laughs> I once won. A, I once won a killer pool competition in Mallorca, and I got a better trophy, like a very similar style of certificate from from the holiday rep. That's it. <laughs> well, Tottenham Hotspur will be hoping this new Europa Conference League trophy could be gracing their cabinet come the end of the season. Before they can get into the competition proper, though, they'll need to beat Passos de Ferreira in this qualifying game. But they've travelled to Portugal for the match without Harry Kane, which doesn't really come as a surprise. He's only trained since Tuesday this week, Marley. Do you think it's a fair decision to stay at home? Do you think that was always going to be the case? Yeah, I don't think there's any chance of uh, Harry Kane ever risking any sort of injury to go and qualify for the Europa Conference League, if I'm totally honest. Even if he was happy, I don't think he would have played. Um, And his future wasn't in doubt. I don't think he would have ever travelled. So, um, fair enough. You can't can't expect him to to go to that game. Um, You know, everything's focused on his future right now. He's trained once. He's probably not even fit enough to start a game. So why would you take him to, you know, the the back end of Portugal to play a game that you don't really in a competition you don't ever really want to be part of? I think, I think with this whole conference thing, league thing, I, I feel like they've they've defeated the point of the whole competition. Like the competition was about getting teams who aren't used to, you know, who don't really have a chance in Europe, 
to get into this. Like Spurs. <laughs> well, yeah. But then again, Spurs <laughs> got to the bloody final two years ago. So, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I feel like England and in, like the top five teams in Europe, England, um, leagues in Europe, England, France, Germany, Italy and Spain, shouldn't be allowed in it, in my opinion. I think if you look at the UEFA coefficient ratings, you know, every, I'd probably go as far as not even allowing the Dutch or Portuguese teams in it and just have it amongst everyone else. Um, and give them a chance. But, but you're looking at that from the point of view of it being a footballing competition and it being kind of an opportunity to give these minnows and uh, the opportunity to play European football and the opportunity to travel around the world. And we know that that's not what UEFA and what FIFA are about. They're about making money. And if you don't have the big leagues, if you don't have Italy and England and France in those leagues, albeit the teams that are finishing seventh, eighth, ninth. Mm. There isn't any money. There isn't any TV audience. Well, there's not going to be anywhere. There's no prestige. Who's going to watch that over the Europa League, though? Like, there's no. It's it's doomed to fail anyway. I feel like they've they've only ever put this competition in to make the Europa League better and make it look more sexy and attractive because it makes it filters out the 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 dregs of of that competition. You don't get the Sheriff Tiraspol, you know, rocking up and getting absolutely smashed to smithereens by Ajax or. Or Arsenal, or whoever's in it. No, no, not <laughs> Arsenal. Um, but you know what you know what I mean. Like I just feel like they've 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 lost this before they've started. But I mean, back to Kane. I mean, you're never gonna uh, you know get him rocking up and and trying to qualify for a tournament. You're never gonna be in. So he won't play until September. Um, for what club we still don't know. But I can't see him kicking a ball for anyone until at least September. To be honest with you, I think that this. Tottenham thing with Kane is always going to be a bit of a minefield because if he ends up going to Portugal and gets injured that scuppers a move and it also scuppers any chance that Tottenham have got of getting a fee for Harry Kane so actually I think in terms of Daniel Levy trying to play hardball if he gets taken to this European fixture and injures himself City all of a sudden aren't interested Kane's devastated Tottenham lose Kane for a period of time. So I think that actually there's probably a little bit more at play here than people realise. The club are still unclear, Jim, whether he can face Wolves in the Premier League this weekend. Can you see Harry Kane playing another game for Tottenham Hotspur again? Before the end of this window, is there any chance that he pulls on that Spurs jersey one more time? Or is it just a case of he'll only play for Tottenham once the deadline has passed and he knows for certain that he'll be staying? I don't really see a good scenario coming out of him playing for Spurs again because I don't think it will happen before his future has been decided as Marley and yourself kind of outlined the scenario there. I don't believe they're waiting for him to regain fitness. I mean, what was it? Three weeks ago, he was playing in the Europa League final. Oh, sorry, the, the Euro 2020 final. So how unfit can he come? It's, I was surprised by Marcelo Bielsa claiming that Calvin Phillips wasn't fit post-Euros, that he'd come back overweight or something. I think like that, he, he said as a result of that. I don't know how much fitness you can lose over that three-week period. And surely it's not going to take Harry Kane too much to get up to speed. He doesn't have to be 100% fit. He can contribute to a game if he's 80 or 90% fit. So I don't know whether the conditioning and fitness stuff really plays into it particularly. This is clearly about his future and about his transfer. And all the reports suggest that Harry Kane is 
incredibly upset and incredibly angry as to how he's been treated by Daniel Levy at Spurs, how those promises have been broken. And the consistent message has been he won't stop playing for Spurs. He won't give up playing for Spurs. And I assume, and the type of character that it would appear Harry Kane is, he will stick to his word and he will play for Spurs. But as we know from previous transfer sagas, an unhappy player is not a player that's performing at the top of his ability. And while Spurs have this opportunity to get what I think is a really fair price for him, if the reports of £120-£130 million that has been put on the table by Manchester City is true, that is a fair price for the player. And so in the interests of everyone, be it Spurs, be it Manchester City, be it Harry Kane, I think it's better that the transfer does go on and, it, and he doesn't play for Spurs again. And get it done quickly, Daniel Levy. Get it done now because you've still got an opportunity to reinvest that £130 million and bring in the players that you need to strengthen. What does look like, despite their victory at the weekend, what does look like a pretty weak Spurs team. They need players all over the pitch. They need another centre-back. They'll need a player to replace Harry Kane. So why not get it done now? Why have that brinkmanship of going right the way to the end of the season before making a deal, unless there is no intention to reinvest that money that potentially is going to come in for Kane. Because we know Spurs have struggled a little bit financially over the last few years. The cost of the stadium, the impact of not having fans in that new stadium that's been caused by COVID. Is there genuinely an intention to hang on to Harry Kane? Or is this a case of eking out the transfer window, waiting for that cash to come in and use the tried and tested method that has been demonstrated perfectly by West Ham's board members over the last (laughs) five years, claiming, oh, we ran out of time. We tried, but we ran out of time. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things feeding into this and we don't really know what's going on, but it would appear that Harry Kane's going to leave and it's better it happens now rather than in 12 months. That technique in the real world, Jim, is known as pocketing the cash. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, If Tottenham don't win tonight, Marley, what do you think the reaction will be like? They are obviously strong (laughs) favourites to beat Passos de Ferreira. They beat the champions, Manchester City, in their Premier League opener at the weekend. They should win this quite comfortably with or without Kane. If they don't, what sort of reaction do you think we'll see? Uh, I think we'll we'll get a lot of laughing on social media. Um, (laughs) But mainly from other teams... I think, you know, it'll be like Arsenal fans will be... I mean, it would be the best thing that Arsenal have done in the last three years if Spurs go out tonight um, because that's that's 100% what they want. So, But when you look at it from a Spurs perspective, if they somehow contrive to manage to lose this game tonight and went out of this competition, it's probably a good thing um, because, you know, everyone talks about, you know, uh, focusing on the league and stuff, but... Those air miles on a Thursday night is is madness. Um, you don't really want that in a season. Um, in a competition as well, where if you win it, everyone will say, well, of course you should have won it, because there's no one else in it that's mm. any good. Possibly Rennes from France, um, or uh, who's in it from Italy? I think it's, uh, is it Genoa or someone like that? Um, there's no glory in victory there, is there? Yeah, you, you, it's an unwinnable situation, completely unwinnable. If you win it, You've, you know, everyone. It's like us winning the the Intertoto Cup, as you, we talked about before. Doesn't really count. It, does, sort it of doesn't trophy, count yeah. at all. And it's too early as well to, you know, even if it becomes prestigious in the future, the first time a competition happens, you don't know how it's going to be sort of foreseen. Mm. Because well, um, I think Red Star Belgrade won the Champions League or whatever it was in the early nineties, didn't they? And you know, yeah, ninety one they won it. Yeah. So that was just before it became the Champions League, but yeah. you know. 
you couldn't imagine something like that happening now, could you? And I think you're right. In terms of Spurs, they're almost damned if they do and damned if they don't. Because if they win a League Cup, for example, and end that trophy drought, people will just say, oh, well, it's only the League Cup. No one really cares about that. You know, and the FA Cup, sadly for me, as a big fan of that competition, is going a similar way. You know, it's kind of losing its its golden touch, its merit. And so really people will say, oh, you know, if you win even the Europa League, oh, it just isn't quite the same as the Champions League. So I think unless Tottenham win a Champions League or a Premier League, which they're not going to do, I just think that that, that stigma of them being trophy dodgers is going to stick with them. I mean, I guess the question is, well, what do you get if you win the... Europa Conference. I assume if you win the Europa Cup, thirty-five quid and some air miles on. But did you get a place <laughs> in the Europa League off the back of it? I presume yeah. you get some sort of yeah benefit of so, winning it. So yeah. I mean, I guess it comes down to because no one cares about the competition itself. Can Tottenham qualify for Europe via the league, or do they need this back door in order to get into one of those top seven places? And you, you'd like to think that Tottenham as a club believe they could qualify for the for the for the league. And that becomes more difficult if they focus on the Europa Conference. So they've got to gamble, I guess. It's like, do they want to? Do they, do they have the faith in their ability and their strength to get into the Europa via the league or even the Champions League? If the Champions League they're dreaming, but they've got a decent chance of the Europa. In which case, they don't need this competition, and it will work as a distraction to what they're trying to achieve in the domestic competitions. Well, Tottenham Hotspur are in Portugal right now. Less Harry Kane. They face Passos de Ferreira, Portuguese side, in their attempt to qualify for the UEFA Europa Conference League, the third tier of European club competition, which is new this season. One team who are in the traditional Europa League, though, is Leicester City. And Harvey Barnes, their winger, has signed a new deal at the club. We'll talk about that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. Jim and Marley with me. Time to talk Leicester City now, who have impressed plenty since Brendan Rodgers took over the club and indeed since they surprised everyone by winning the Premier League title in 2016. Harvey Barnes is an academy graduate at the King Power Stadium and he signed a new Leicester contract until 2025. He picked up a nasty injury last season, Marley. It came at a terrible time for him, actually. It was around February that he got injured. It was a nasty one that's kept him out for months and months and months, and only this pre-season has he really started to get back to full fitness. He had 13 goals to his name before the injury. Do you think he could have been in England contention for the Euros had that injury not happened to him because he was in very good form? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like he's... He's almost a little bit forgotten about um, Harvey Barnes, and I don't know what, quite why that is, but um, he's, he's quality. He's a really, really good player. When you see him, he's, he's technically brilliant. He's um, He's got two good feet. He's, he can dribble. He's got everything, really. Um, and I think, you know, England are, have got an embarrassment of riches with that... Um, with, uh, with the wingers and the, the, the forwards, if you want to call them forwards, but... He's um he was in that mix and I think did he get something like thirteen goals before he got injured last season? Um sometime around was it around Christmas he got injured? It was quite a big in February. Was it February? Right, so I mean 
Who? <laughs> I did say that in the question. Did you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and the amount of goals Molly's he scored. Molly's just repeating everything. <laughs> just repeating everything that I was just said. Could you tell I was doing something else? going to talk about the uh, Europa Conference, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically Spurs don't want to be in this conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, but Bar- Barnes, Barnes is, is really good. I, I'm a big fan of his, but... Um, he's you know he's, he's got his work cut out. He's, you see players like I feel like if England did a B team, you know you'd have Harvey Barnes and Jack Harrison and Jesse Lingard and all the players at at these these clubs that just can't quite get a kick because of Sterling and Sancho and Foden and all the rest of them. So you know it's it's uh, it's tough for him, but you know keep going and he'll get there because you know I think Southgate will know him from the underage England sides as well. So. I feel like uh, it's definitely not over for him. He has got a cap, hasn't he? He came on against, I want to say, Wales. And at the end of the game, I can't remember whether, what, what the significance of the game was, but he has definitely played for England at some point, even if it was only a fleeting appearance. Yeah, I mean, I suppose with the Euro squad being at the forefront of everyone's thinking at that point in time and his record as a goal-scoring winger, um, I think that, like we say, it was a pretty unfortunate um a pretty unfortunate time to get an injury. You're right, by the way, one England cap, and that did come against Wales in October 2020. So, uh, you know, that Where's he that, that was from? last season. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, It's about oh, the only England that's... game that Jim watched that wasn't in the Euros, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I had a one in 350 chance of getting the country right. <laughs> it could have been anyone else. I've just found out he was born in Burnley as well. That's mad. Well, that that means you, your respect for him has gone down ever so slightly now that you've seen that. But <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, in terms of Leicester's attacking options, Jamie Vardy, Jim, Iheanacho, they've signed Patson Dacker now from Salzburg, say Perez, James Madison, and obviously factoring in Harvey Barnes into that. Where do they rank, do you think, in terms of Premier League strike forces? Because there's plenty of talent there and it may not be of the glamour of a Manchester City or Manchester United, but there's certainly quality. Do you know what? I look at that and go, when we say this, like a scratch record with Leicester, it's really good recruitment, isn't it? Because you've kind of got a conveyor belt of players. You've got the experienced heads of people like Vardy and Perez, and then you've got the players coming in behind them as their replacements. So they learn their technique and their style and their tactical awareness from the older players. And then you've got the new players coming up behind to replace them. And I think you've got to say, Vardy, I mean, say this cautiously because he always seems to survive another season, but would appear to be coming to the end of his time at Leicester City. Daka would appear to be the replacement for Vardy. He's certainly a similar type of player. Iniacho, I think, was probably brought in as a backup player as a fringe player but he performed really well last season and then you've got Madison who's one of the best central midfielders best number 10s or I think he sees himself more as a number eight in the Premier League and Harvey Barnes who's got that kind of attacking winger option so it's a real there's a real strength and there's real depth to those midfield slash attacking options and what it does for Leicester City is it provides danger on all fronts they're not reliant on one individual that if Vardy is out for three months if Madison does go to Arsenal if Barnes picks up an injury for a recurrence of his problem it's not a disaster because they have other players that can drop into those teams and that's how any Premier League team should manage its resource it should have a suite of players all on similar levels who can just drop in and rotate and add strength and depth and and also 
challenge for those positions can add pressure on the players who do hold the first team shirt because it forces them to up their game and perform better as well. So it's just, again, really strong recruitment from Leicester City. Do you think that Harvey Barnes and the fact that he has come through the academy, Marley, and in the last couple of seasons really kicked on and shown what a good player he can be, do you think that's further proof of Brendan Rodgers' ability to develop players? Because we know he's got a history and a background in youth football, Brendan Rodgers, before making the transition to senior football as a manager. But it's not the first time he's brought through players and and Harvey Barnes appears to be someone who can really kick on in the future as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, just another sort of um, feather in Brendan Rodgers' cap to be honest um, I think he's tactically as I've said fantastic I think as you mentioned there you know his youth development is brilliant um, he knows what to do he, know, he knows how to get to the top of the game you know, he, might, he might not have won the Premier League or anything like that but he, I think he's widely regarded as, as one of the most savvy managers in the Premier League um, possibly the world so He's he's in his, he's in the right hands, Harvey Barnes. Um, he knows to trust Rogers in 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 sort of the coming years, the the sort of formative years of his career, where he's a fully fledged first team player and he's made that breakthrough from the twenty threes in the reserves. So, you know, I can't think of a better manager for him, and and you know, fair play to him. I think he's gonna kick on and be one of the best wingers in the league from and from an English perspective it's just whether the case um, may be that he, whether he gets the recognition he deserves um, because but that'll that'll come in time they've managed him well as well haven't they it's not just necessarily Brendan Rodgers it's the club as a whole who they haven't let him sit on the bench with the potential sniff of first team football as a young player when he's been playing week in, week out from the under-23s and bringing him into the first team. They've made sure he's had that first team football by sending him out on loans where he has actually played in competitive games in competitive leagues. And they've only brought him back into the Leicester City first team when he was ready to be a member of that first team. And we see a lot of debate at the moment as to whether players are better sitting in a club's reserves and playing for the under-23s and playing in the development squads or going out on loan. And I've always believed that players are better in those young years getting that first team experience and getting that competitive experience and I think Harvey Barnes has proved that is the case that he's got that those minutes on the pitch under his belt early doors and then he's come back to the Premier League and he's come back to Leicester City ready to contribute. Well Harvey Barnes will be staying with the Foxes until at least 2025 because that's the length of his new contract so congratulations to him looking forward to seeing how he does for Leicester City this season. One person who might also be returning to the Premier League is Aaron Ramsdale the Sheffield United goalkeeper. Arsenal are allegedly interested in the stopper for £30 million. We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
This is Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. Seven days a week, a brand new Premier League show for you. So make sure you hit subscribe however you listen to your podcasts. And that way, as soon as a new episode is released, you'll be notified straight away. Premier League previews coming up over the weekend as well. And of course, a review show on Sunday, looking back at all the top flight action over the weekend's games. But for now, we're going to focus on transfers because the transfer window is in full swing. And the gossip is going to roll through this section of the show, starting with Aaron Ramsdale, the goalkeeper who was was England's third choice stopper in the Euros. He didn't get any game time. And actually, for me, I think personally, he's probably one of the weaker goalkeepers that we've got in the Premier League, or at least we did last season. Sheffield United are possibly about to conduct the best piece of business or transfer window, and that is selling him to Arsenal for around £30 million. Now, you can tell by my tone of voice that I am not impressed with this. Why are Arsenal spending this much money on a goalkeeper who has been relegated in back-to-back seasons, Bournemouth and Sheffield United? He's an all-right goalkeeper, but for £30 million, Marley, for me, I'm not having it. It's English tax, I think, isn't it? It, That's what it seems like. Um, I know he's got potential and I know he's going to improve in the future, but... He's not worth thirty million quid, is he? And it gets even worse when you when you think of what Arsenal have done in recent years. And you know when when Leno got that injury at the end of was it um, the season before last, and Emmy Martinez played six months in the first team, and you know they won the FA Cup with him in goal, and they won the uh, Community Shield, I think, the next year as well. Um, they were just you know they, they had the two goalkeepers there in the palm of the hands. And Aston Villa went in with twenty million quid for Emmy Martinez, and they just said, "Yeah, okay, fine." And then a year later, he's probably, you know, he's, he's certainly one of the best goalies in the Premier League, and he's Argentina's number one. He's just won the Copa America with them, so it's it's just it's bizarre to the whole situation um, of what they've done to to get to this situation where they're now being almost held to ransom by Sheffield United and they're saying 30 million quid or he stays here and he, he'll be unhappy but sorry well we're happy as unless we get 30 mil so i mean 30 30 to me seems 20 too high i think he's he's 10 10 or 15 million in terms of ability maybe add-ons in the future may may take it towards the 20 mark but 30 is is far too high for me i think he makes he just doesn't fill me with confidence as a goalie. Every now and again, he'll pull off a magnificent save and you're like, oh, hang on, there could be some potential there. But I don't know. I don't really think it's it's worth the the outlay, um, especially when Leno is still there. Like Leno might leave in the next year or so, fair enough. But as of right now, you're bringing in a £30 million um, goalkeeper to sit on the bench while, while Burnt Leno maybe you know, maybe discusses a a move next summer or something like that. So the whole thing doesn't really make much sense to me. I feel like every time we talk about Arsenal, I'm sticking the boot in and I don't want it to <laughs> seem like that to those Arsenal fans listening, but I just can't understand their business that's, or their that's, business that's model. That's the state of them though, isn't it? Like that's, that, that all, all the decisions have, have led to this. Like, and you can't, you know, you can't sort of, we can't explain it really, can we? Because, we don't know what what the strategy is there. It's really strange. I know Edu is one of the invincibles, isn't he? Or a bit of a legend there at Arsenal. But he's the sporting director, Jim. And some of the decisions he's made have been dreadful. They sold Martinez to Villa for less and he was one of the standout keepers in the league last season. Now they're signing a player who've, who's been relegated twice. 
Yeah, I don't think all um, Edu's transfers have been disasters. I mean, that said, I'm struggling to think of anyone who's been particularly successful. I like the centre-back Gabriel. Um, but Tierney. I mean, it, Tierney, yeah, that's a good shout. I mean, it's difficult to see how 30 million quid in your pocket and this is the best option you can get for a goalkeeper. I mean, Sam Johnson at West Brom, I, I'd argue that he's probably a better keeper as well. I wonder whether this price has been inflated by Ramsdale's appearance in the European Championships or in the European Championships squad anyway. Let's not forget he was only there because of injury as well. But I wonder whether that has added £10 million to the price because he is now an England international. Um, But, I mean, I feel harsh having a go at Alan Ramsdale because I think going into the first Sheffield United season in the Premier League, I I think he was... When well, who was he with? It was with Bournemouth. Was it Bournemouth then? Sheffield United, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was, yeah, I think before Bournemouth's relegation season, I think he was touted as a promising young goalkeeper. But as we know with goalkeepers, they do suffer in confidence when they play in front of poor defence or behind poor defences and make a few mistakes. And I think you'd find it really tough to argue that for the Sheffield United team that got relegated and Bournemouth before that, that wasn't a poor and porous defence so who knows what he'd be able to do with a better mm. defence in front of him unfortunately if he goes to Arsenal we'll never know <laughs> that would continue to be a mystery that's I mean but that's an easy thing to say isn't it it's an easy thing for me to say oh he's been relegated twice but you know both sides were poor sides but it's also easy to say oh he'd be a better keeper with a better defence in front of him I just think it's yeah I think that is six of one half a dozen of the other and what actually, we're also seeing at the moment though is different goalkeepers are required for different playing styles so, and I don't know enough about Aaron Ramsdale's goalkeeping ability or even Mikel Arteta's playing style yet to know whether those two will fit together. But you kind of have choices to make. You go, do you want a goalkeeper that's commanding in the box and able to pick out crosses? Do you want a goalkeeper that's good with his feet? Do you want a goalkeeper that's a great shot stopper? It doesn't seem that goalkeepers have necessarily all these different attributes now, which is weird, but it it seems like you almost pick the type of goalkeeper like you would pick the type of winger or pick the type of striker that you want. Yeah, I mean, shot stopping is the bare minimum for me for a Premier League goalkeeper. (laughs) If you're not good at shot stopping, then what are you doing? To be fair, my overriding feeling on this is, is Ramsdale a better goalkeeper than Emi Martinez? If the answer is no, then it's a bad move from Arsenal, isn't it, all round? In terms of that Sam Johnston shout, ironically, West Bromwich Albion played Sheffield United last night in the Championship. Johnston kept a clean sheet. West Brom won 4-0. Ramsdale wasn't in the Blades squad, so it looks imminent, that move to Arsenal, let's just say. Here's another one which is almost a case of what happens if, and if Harry Kane joins City... The Daily Mail say that Tottenham want Adama Traore from Wolves, albeit it's not a striker replaced by a striker, Wolves, uh, Adama being a winger. But this is all if Kane joins City, which we still don't know yet. But if that is to be the case, this is what the Mail say. Do you think Adama Traore, Mali, is good enough for that next level up from Wolves? Obviously, he's played for some big clubs in the past. I think he was at Barcelona for a while. So, you know, he, he's no stranger to that sort of pressure. But in terms of his ability and his quality, do you think that he would be able to do a job at a club like Tottenham, who, although aren't in the upper echelons of the Premier League right now, are certainly, for me, a step up from Wolverhampton Wanderers? Um, I'm, I'm tempted to say no. Um, I don't know. I just I don't know if he's that good. Like I know he's, he, I think people can be sort of um, 
blinded a little bit by his pace and his power, and obviously that's fantastic, but he doesn't do enough at the end of it for me. He still doesn't have that end product. He still doesn't score enough goals. Um, he's still not consistent enough. Um, so I think that can all be worked on, but when you're paying the money, which I'm assuming would be over 30 million quid for him, I don't know what the what the rumour is, but I'd, I'd assume it'd be over 30 million because everybody's worth 30 million these days, aren't they? So I would assume that it's a, a fair whack. Um, and I think you want a better player for that. I think you want somebody who's got more guarantees about what he's going to do. I think, you know, when, you, when you're used to Son um, and Deli Alley and Kane and, you know, these technically very good players, I think Adama is not at their level. I think he, he does... Better when there's there's space in front of him, um, when you're almost like a worse team because you're you're gonna be awarded more space. I think when when you're a, a a team trying to push for the top six or top seven, at least ten teams are gonna come to come and play you and and sit with seven or eight behind the ball and say okay try and break us down. All that bottom half are gonna come there and say we're going with a back five. You know there's gonna be no space behind you behind us so. You can play in front of us, I don't, and I think Adama doesn't get. You don't get the best out of Adama Traore when he's doing that. I think he's a he's a counter-attacking player. Um, he needs space. He needs to to have grass in front of him where he can just burn whoever's whoever's next to him, just push it past them and, and run. Um, and I think that I don't think he'd get that at Spurs. And I think he his his crossing, his passing, his shooting um, is is not quite up to standard. I think this is an interesting one. It's very much a case of if this happens, then this will happen. So I don't think you can read too much into it. But I just wonder whether the Adama link is just because Nuno Espirito Santo is now the manager of Tottenham Hotspur and seemed to get a great deal out of Adama Traore. Um, And Adama on his day is extremely effective, as you say. Great pace, great strength. But uh, he didn't really show that last season. So it'll be interesting to see how he does start the campaign for Wolves. Um, who actually faced Tottenham Hotspur at the weekend in the Premier League, funnily enough. Just just on that, I do think, actually, if it was a... The, the link, you're right. I think the link has been made because Nuno Espirito Santo is now at Spurs and he obviously was a fan of Adama Traore. I actually think there'd be more evidence or truth in it if that wasn't the case because I don't think Adama Traore is a bad player. Um, he's a Spanish international footballer. I mean, you don't, you don't get into that Spain side and be poor but he has come off the back of a poor season it doesn't really make sense that he would replace Harry Kane in terms of playing style because he's an incredibly different player and Spurs are kind of well versed in those wide players all be them as Marley says slightly technical white more wide players they haven't got that fast strong direct winger on their books but I could see a role for Adama Traore and I look at someone like Mikel Antonio as the blueprint for this I think that kind of player, because I think they're quite similar in terms of their strengths and weaknesses, uh, Mikel Antonio and Adama Traore. But you could see a role for Traore playing in a more central position and being that kind of quite strong centre point for an attack, which would replace Kane, holding up the ball when needed, but also with the ability to run in behind and also damage players or hurt teams on the break. That said... There's no why would why would that be something that Nuno Espirito Santo had in his head, considering he played with him at Wolves for such a long period of time. They had issues 
at Wolves with a target man, with a striker, particularly after Jimenez's injury. So if that was in Espirito Santo's head, surely he would have done that at that stage at Wolves and wouldn't bring him in to Spurs in order to convert him into an out-and-out striker rather than a kind of attacking wide player. So I, I think... I actually think there is a future for Adama Traore as a target man, but I don't think that is what will happen if he goes to Spurs, and I don't think he's going to go to Spurs. I think it's just a newspaper adding one and one together and making three. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about that. I can't see him as a number nine, but there's no reason he can't do it. Like you say, he does have great attributes with the strength, the pace, and you know, in terms of finishing, he does uh, he does have a decent enough goal record from that wide position, sometimes even a wing-back position. So yeah, I definitely think that there is potential there, but that is the latest when it comes to Adama, Wolves, Tottenham Hotspur, Harry Kane joining City, that all depends upon, so we don't really know what's going to happen there. Here's the final bit of gossip we're going to discuss on today's show, and it's a curveball to say the least. There was a bit of a curveball in yesterday's show when Cristiano Ronaldo's name got thrown into the Harry Kane debacle but this time Robert Lewandowski allegedly wants a new challenge that's according to Sky Sports the Bayern Munich striker one of the best in the world no doubt about it he's been at the top of his game for a number of years an absolute goal machine he's 33 years old right now this is a twofold question Marley for me first of all do you believe that this is true and that he does want to leave Bayern Munich and secondly if you do believe it's true do you think the Premier League is a destination he could find himself uh, I'm not. I'm not so sure. Um, if this is true, it's come out of nowhere, really, hasn't it? Because how many times has Lewandowski been linked with a, a move away from Bayern? I, I can't really remember one um, in the past seven or eight years. Whenever he's been there, so he's, he's you know he's he's still he's not exactly slowing down, is he? I think he got forty goals last season. He's thirty-two. I think he's thirty-three at the weekend. Um, he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. I think he got two in the Super Cup the other day against Dortmund um, when Bayern won that. For me, this this whole thing seems like, if it's true, assuming it's true, um, and giving the, the reporters the benefit of the doubt, this whole thing seems like he's going to leave maybe next summer and Erling Haaland is going to end up at Bayern, which will annoy me no end because it'll just be another nail in the coffin of the <laughs> Bundesliga if everyone goes to, goes to Bayern at some point, if they're any good. Same as Nagelsmann, the manager... Same as every other decent player that's been there for, you know, however long. Goretzka ran, running his contract down. Sane going there eventually via Man City. It's just, I, I got that feeling from it. Like, you know, Haaland's got the claws next year and now Lewandowski's getting linked with a move away. So Yeah, uh, and would Bayern Munich really throw Julian Nagelsmann, their new manager, under the bus with just over 10 days to go at the transfer window by saying oh by the way our chief goal scorer isn't going to be in next season and he wants a new challenge do you really think that's going to happen I can't see a club as well run as Bayern Munich doing that personally no probably what not what about let me, throw, let me throw a scenario in for you we know Aubameyang probably wants <laughs> don't say he's coming to no, West Ham I'm going to say Aubameyang wants to leave <laughs> Arsenal I think there's been interest from Bayern in Aubameyang what about Podolsky sorry Lewandowski going potentially the other way <laughs> what do you mean Lewandowski's got to play for Arsenal yep sorry mate well that is that is quite a challenge I'll give him that there's, there's so there's there's so few leagues and so few teams that would be able to afford his wages that his options are, are really but limited. is this is this is that true though is that not just a myth because he's a very well, yeah, good very football good player pl- that yeah, well, on very big good wages. football players command big wages and I think quite often new challenge 
New challenge is code for big contract, isn't it? He's on, he'll, he'll be on a quarter of a million. Particularly when you look at what's happening at somewhere like Barcelona, where they're trying to get rid of Coutinho and Griezmann just to just to kind of be able to register players they've signed. They're out of the equation. Real Madrid are out of the equation. Juventus want to off- offload their big spenders. It's like where do, where does he go? If he's well, he doesn't. Go. He stays. That's the point, mm. I guess, is what I'm making. He stays at Bayern, and I think what Marley says is probably the most likely scenario. That, Ask you know, me. He, my, my, mark my words. <laughs> you've literally just invented your own transfer rumour, Jim. You're pretty good at this. You <laughs> could uh, start? Uh, start a blog. <laughs> I'm, call me Fabrizio. <laughs> I've got it on good authority. He wants to make good on the opportunity he missed out on in 2010 when he almost joined Blackburn Rovers, but couldn't because of that giant ash cloud that was floating over Europe. To be fair, they do need a striker <laughs> since they've sold Adam Armstrong. So uh, Lewandowski, get on the phone to Blackburn Rovers, link up with uh, Tony Mowbray, get down there. Um, I can't see Robert Lewandowski in the Premier League, to be honest. But then again, I thought that about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and then he was in his mid-30s and went and joined Manchester United and actually did very, very well. So there's no reason uh, to suggest that that couldn't be the case further down the line. But for the time being, with just, was it, 11 days left of the transfer window, can't really see that happening, to be honest with you. That's it for today's show. Thanks very much for tuning in. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and that way you won't miss another episode again. And you also won't miss another of Jim Salverson's made-up transfer rumours uh, the next time he's on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Marley. I'm sure Marley will be on tomorrow as well. To Name make, <laughs> to make it five in a row. Uh, we'll find out tomorrow, of course. That's it for today's episode. We'll catch you then. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.